As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Podcast episode 25 with myself, Ricardo, and Stu Colson, Captain Colson from Heroes for Sale and Comic Hub. How's things, Stu? Well, yeah, really cool, man. Had a good week. Last uh, last week of school holidays, so we we're, were particularly busy in the store and um, some exciting stuff happening for Comic Hub. So um, no, it's been a good week for business. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And it's been a good week for, uh, for some new titles as well. Yeah, a lot came out, and um, folks, um, we're going to do two relatively short ones, and the third one we're doing, just stick around, man, this is that's an incredible comic in Amicato. Yeah, it is, very yeah. much so, very much so, but uh, we've got to start with one that, if you can, if you remember, what was it that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino did together, the movie, uh, where they had, like, they did it like the old cinema style, with the, they made movie previews and things that went in the middle of the two movies, like the old school double feature, and it oh, was cool, it was Planet of Terror and Death Proof. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that was how it was released at the cinemas. Well, this, in a way, I'm drawing a bit of a long bow, but not really, because what that's what this latest comic reminded me of. It's from Black Caravan called Tales Told in Techno Horror Season One, and you open the uh, front cover page, and it's done like the, the the table of contents, if you like, is done like the old movie. Uh, what do you call those? The old movie billboards that used to be above the picture theaters, and they used to go out and change every week with all the individual letters and everything. It's done oh, like that, yeah, yeah. For multiplex though, because it's got like ten different screenings happening. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So kind of that was the first thing that grabbed me. I was just like, hey, this is cool. This is kind of throwback. It's it's kind of different. And yeah, I mean, Stu, I don't know what you thought, but I was, I, I really enjoyed this. It was it's short, sharp, and it's fun. Yeah, folks, they're, they're six-page comics, six-page short stories um, of just a little horror twist, but it's not, they're not long enough to get scary or anything. It's just a little, you know, it's they're fun. The production values are through the roof. Mm. Um, Black Caravan is an imprint of Scout, so they're they're a little bit bigger. They're, they're an up-and-coming or on-the-rise um, publisher, and they're bringing out some great stuff. And this is, they're just cool, and they use the comic medium. Like this first one, where they have the setup of what's actually going to happen, and then it's just the splash page reveal, and then you just turn the page, and it's boom, right, nice, move on to the next little short story, and yeah, go through it like that. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed it, and I thought, in a way, I, you know, sometimes you just think, oh, I want a bit more of that. Um, oh, they they could have taken yeah. this here, they could have taken this. They all feel a bit like Stu in a way, almost trailers for a movie, or maybe you know sometimes you get an opening scene in a movie that happens before the credits, and it's uh, it's a like it's a prelude to what you're about to see. That kind of reminds me of that, and I wonder if we they might roll out stories based off these intros at some point. 
I, also, yeah, but also, because I, I, I totally agree. Every one of them was like, this could be a story. This could be more. And they all ended so brilliantly that it was like, if, or if you're good enough, I would happily read one of these every month. Mm-hmm. If you want to bring out four or five short stories every month in this format, um, tales told in techno horror, you know, five times the fear is the cover. It looks like an old, dirty old VHS mixed between the, the old, yeah, a bit of neon in the, in the, in the cinema. Um, so I, I go both ways, you know, every single one of them was neat. It was a neat little story. And if it wasn't, well, actually, I, I mean, I liked all of them. So I would, as I said, I don't know if I would read long term, not been a horror fan, mm-hmm. but I like these are short little horror stories. Definitely dug there. Yeah. yeah. And even the back page, the, you know, the technical horror method, it's a, a take on the, um, you know, the, the bully kicking sand in the face of the guy at the beach. And it's, it's their subscription service thing. It's, you know, read, read, read in techno horror. This is how you do it. It's, um, I think they did a great job of all of it. It's, it's, um, and it's pretty cheap, man. It's a, I think it's a three ninety nine, three ninety nine US comic. Um, it's it's a lot of it's good value for what you get. Mm. And there's some really nice panes in the back as well, which are unrelated, as far as I can tell. Well, at least at least my favourite one is, which is the one right at the bottom with the, uh, I assume he's some sort of astronaut, and then the kind of winged deity sort of stood behind him. That yeah. is, yeah, that is beautiful art. It's, it's a beautiful pinup, yeah, Techni Horror pinup gallery. Um, at the back here, as, as, as Ricardo's pointed out, it's beautiful. It's so just a, perf- a perfect comic as a one-shot, doesn't matter, and let's hope we get a lot more um, of them, but um, certainly, certainly check on your list. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Stu, horror's not your thing, predominant, you know, mainly, that, but you yeah. are a big sci-fi man, and so the other thing that we, uh, one of the other things we're going to look at is Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters, the Jabba the Hutt one-shot. Yeah, man. So you all know the characters. It's, it's Jabba, Boba Fett, um, and then a few extra, few extra aliens thrown in. But reading this, didn't you just love the worlds? I mean, yeah. sure you had a little bit of tattery. This is lush, man. This is some really beautifully drawn sci-fi pages. It's everything is is filled. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a bright palette, but it, it does it. To, you know, it's again, um, real fine line, but it's it's done really well. This is a well put together story. Yeah, it's really yeah. striking that uh, opening. Was it the opening page or the second second one? In? No, yeah, no, it's the opening page, and there's just a picture of Jabba's palace on Tatooine, and you just look yep. at the landscape and the you know the the pinks, purples, oranges that you get of the uh, of the two suns setting or three suns setting, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. it's just really striking. You know, it looks really really cool. It was really cleverly done, all of it, in the world, and you know, it's it's the. Yeah, the the, 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 the the cantina on Tatooine, you know, is, is one of the things we've always loved in Star Wars. And they've just really, they've got to town with, with that idea in this comic, the background, when it's whether it's a big city or whether they're out in the desert overlooking something or, you know, wherever they are, that the world they've built into this is, you know, it's, it's why, why we all read comics. We can just consume the story with these stunning images in the background. And the action scenes are cool. I dug that. Boba is the man, isn't he? He is the man. He is the man. And I and I think you know we talked uh, a few episodes back about uh, the bounty hunters, you know, Star Wars bounty hunters, and how that that was just a little bit disappointing. Uh, disappointing because it was, yeah. I mean, it was it was effectively. I don't know. It was it was just battle scene for battle scene's sake. There was no real story or build, but it was, yeah, it was it was battle royale without the story of battle royale. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah but the, this doesn't do that i mean you get like you said there's some great fight scenes in it but what you do get is you get some new characters who are kind of interesting and kind of cool and it builds yeah. the world out a little bit more you know so you know you talk about enemies of the huts now and you're talking about all these different factions and things and it yeah. just, just makes it that much more interesting you get that much more buying and there's more scope to do things yeah and they flesh the world out of the, the background of those characters by doing this really well paced there and that then and now then and now back and forth through time with the first meetings of where all these people were and, and yeah I, I really enjoyed it it was a lot of good fun my favorite part of this comic stew <laughs> it was it's in the middle where there's a there's a full page marvel ad for uh, the next generation of elite artists and it's a feature on your favorite cover artist peach momoko Right, she, she's doing the current um, they're doing the Peach Momoko anime variants at the moment. I really like them. Yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> I just heard, I saw that and I laughed to myself and thought. Oh, I, I know, mate. I, 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 I love a lot of her work. I just, I just, some I don't. I think some of it's great. My favorite page was the, was the very last one with Jabba on the move. Like doing his big sort of, I am coming, so you know, Khan, Khan, standing with his fist out. He reminded me of the Baron in June. Yeah, he'll die before these eyes, whatever. I don't know. Because he's so sluggish. He's yeah, it's like that he is. Yeah. Ready yeah. my ship. Ready my yeah. ship. You're like, oh my God, the fat guy's moving. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> outstanding mm. and then Stu, we get to what's probably been the standout i think of this week uh it is a new image title called mom or mother of madness why don't you tell us who wrote that because that is interesting it's written by amelia clark of game of thrones fame um and co-written with marguerite bennett who wrote insects for image which is pretty racy um and has some crazy ideas as well as animosity for aftershock which is a, a absolutely fantastic post-apocalyptic kind of world where animals can all talk it's, it's a really really cool one but the two of them amelia clark is a is a feminist let's let's start with that okay mm -hmm. this is a feminist comic it is brilliant it's absolutely fantastic it was a strange one we we got some preview pages to put up on comic hub which which we did but they weren't the start of it they were the part where she's with her son and so it gave a so when this came out, I kind of really wasn't all that. It was this page, these were pages. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, it's a little bit funny. Okay, well, we'll all of a sudden, because we've got those pages. But the actual story with what came before that is absolutely fantastic. But I don't want to ruin it. No, but I want to couch I want to couch this in saying, because I know there are some people that you say feminist and they get their backs up. It's feminist. But it's not man Haiti, right? Uh, this is this is a comic about what your wife, your sister, your daughter, whatever, will go through at some stage in their life or has gone through, has experienced, and told in a way that doesn't make any of it nasty. It doesn't make you, you know, there's no, like you said, she's a feminist without trying to shame everybody, but there's a conversation there. Done it in a, this is a superhero comic, Kinda, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it Silver. is. Um, but it's it's really, really freaking clever. And she, it's like by the you. Here's how good it is. You read the comic, and then I swear to you, I swear both Ricardo and I then read the letter at the back from the creator explaining where the comic came from because you just want more. 
Mm. You want to, you know, where, what is the, what have I just read? And then on the very last inside cover is this, all these adverts, how to help, or if you need help at anything, or if you see something wrong happening in our world and you know, and you want to, you know, call someone in or get some, it's all there. This is, this is, I've just gone and ordered the stack load more. Um, I'm probably going to send it off to just about every school and say, look, this is what we can do with comics. This is, this sort of stuff needs to be in every high school library. It's empowering and it makes guys think as well. Um, there's, and it's, it's clever, like about seven pages in, eight pages in, it does this little recap so to, so to let you know who she is. Stone Garden State Cemetery, New Jersey. Look, I promise this gets funnier, but right now we have some obligational expositional backstory to get through. You did 22 Marvel movies. You can give me five pages. Right? <laughs> so that's, and that's what it is, because even though the, it's not so much that the target is going to be guys, as, as we pointed out, it's a, it's a feminist story, but that's what the market is. That's where most of the market is. So this is so clever in that it's written in a way that any guy will happily read it and enjoy it mm. and get across a real good message. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'm going to go and send this copies to every girl's high school in Auckland. It's, it's incredible. It's an yeah. incredible work. I can't wait for the rest of it. This is, you know, I hope, I, I think it's only three parts, but I hope it's more. Um, and on that, it's what a, is that a 48-page card-covered stock? Like, yeah. There's a lot of comic on the first issue. So, again, um, this makes it really accessible because it, it moves beyond the, you know, we get mums coming in buying comics for their kids. I'm going to start saying to some parents, but have you had to take the kids to the superhero films? Well, buy this for yourself. Mm. Get an mm. idea of what they're enjoying. Um, this is this is a winner. This is going to be a big, big seller. That's all I can say, especially with that pedigree on it. I'm just surprised at what they gave us for preview pages because that's not the story. And if you log on to Heroes for Sale now, this is probably for sale on our... This will be for sale on the Heroes for Sale website under new release. But more importantly, I don't want you to go and buy it because I want it to stay up there. Um, or don't sell them out. That's how good a businessman I am. Go to my website, but don't buy anything. Don't do that. Please. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Come down to Mum, and then click on, if you click on the image, it'll take you and it's got these two preview pages there. So you can have a look at what I'm talking about, and that is not what this comic is. It's, it's her waking up with her son in the morning, dealing with a babysitter. It's like, what? This is just, it's a, it was a bizarre two pages. They make total sense in the context of the entire comic, but they are not the theme of the comic. So, no, yeah, I was going to say, the other thing I thought was that it was, you know, even the opening stanza, the opening, you know, few pages before you get to those pages you're talking about, it's kind of cool and it introduces you to her, but it doesn't really prepare you for what's to come either. And then there's another twist towards the end and you're like, okay, where's this going? Those first couple of, like that first page just hooks you in and it's clever, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you, you recognise some of those scenes and you recognise some of the boorish males, you know, it's, it's a it's a social evening to celebrate, um, you know, women's rising in the business world and it, it, all it does is show how men would mock a scene like that. So, and, and you know those people who do it, you know who those villains are. I've, you know, I remember one time in the States, 
someone said, one of my friends saying, you know, what do you guys think of America? I'm like, you know the, the college films where there's like the, the nerd who ends up with the hot girl? You're the bully. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the jock. And so you know that jock character and you're not supposed to like him. He's been written in to be the worst of what we think about a particular type of person. So you don't have to, so there's no way you can bond or enjoy that person. And I can say that comfortably because people like that don't buy comics. So we don't have to worry about him at all. He's not coming in and going, oh, this, this isn't right. But then they show those classic pictures of those women. And uh, that woman she's going, yeah, this, this pose is literally impossible. I was, I was I was trying to get Sue to try to reenact it for me, which you know, just, just do that. No, I'm like, no, it's serious. I don't know if it's actually possible. So um, I don't know if it's possible or not. I couldn't find a willing um, <laughs> substitute for it. Um, but just a fantastic, yeah. Mum, mother of madness. I'm I'm going to go and order. I just ordered another 30-odd. I'm probably going to go and order another 60 or 70 because I think a lot of you, if you are regular customers here and you listen to this podcast, you probably, I'm just going to put it in your box. And I know every female at shops here is going to want it. Sue, both Sue and my daughter read it and they were like, yeah. And, and, then, I'm, and then I'm aware of the irony of, you know, the, the corporate white male forcing this piece of uh, <laughs> merchandise upon the female public. It's probably... But I think Amelia Clark will um, forgive me based on what she's written in the back there. And I thought that was really cool the way she explained that as well. It's, it's obviously been a fantastic journey for her to get here. Um, and it's, yeah, if you enjoyed, if, you, if you've got man-eaters, this is man-eaters on steroids, folks. It is so, it's so good. And man-eaters, as we know, was fantastic. I'm not sliding man-eaters by saying that. This is just really an essential piece of your comic library. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, and the other thing is too, you know, I mentioned this at the start a little bit that it, it's not man hating. You can read this and not feel threatened. Totally, you know, like, and that's you know, part of the discussion that she talks about in this. Yeah. It's the whole point of it, which is it's really nice to to um, get that. And um, like I said, yeah, has Rachel read it? No, not yet, not yet. But yeah. um, I, she will love it. Like you said, I think you know she she loved Man Eaters. She loved Bitch Planet. Um, yeah. and uh, a few others so yeah but i think this is the best of all of them easily yeah e easily and I, and I will i will be a comic snob when it came out you know Amelia clark game of thrones i was, I was like are you an actress honey yeah. makes you think you can write a comic and i will we you know i didn't say that publicly to anyone until now as i broadcast it to the world and um that was a thought i had not so much a thing i spoke but i was i was wrong and i'm happy more than happy to admit how wrong i was and Margaret Bennett is great as well. Let's, let's give her credit. She is a fantastic comic writer. She's, she's done a lot, as I said, animosity. She's done a lot for DC. She's, yeah, her stuff's worth, worth looking at too. So I'm sure some of the structure in here would be owed to her. You know, you say she's an actress and you're like, and I, and I it did make me think the character, main character does look a lot like Amelia Clark with brown hair. Uh, <laughs> so I wonder if this is a treatment that's, you know, currently sitting in front of somebody. At, you, you think um, you think you think this is her Keanu Reeves berserker? Version? Yeah, yeah, it's totally, man. Doing. Like uh, but, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know it's what? Not, and that's and that was smile for the camera. Yeah. Wow. It's, and it's not every pain, but it's definitely there. You can see it. 
you can see but it. I, I would be more than happy for Hollywood's A-list to get out there and start co-op writing comics for their own roles and having them come out in comics first. I think that would just be the, the absolutely most fantastic thing that could ever happen to this industry based on what, you know, Berserk has been doing. It's just, it's just been a fantastic for everybody um and it's let's hope this is a film yeah brad pitt to write himself in as tyler durden into, <laughs> into another updated fight club of some description be great we're on it we're on it mate yeah, we're on it. Yeah. now speaking of um comics that have been made into movies this is what's time now for what do you mean you haven't read that what do you mean you haven't read that and man, if you have read this, go read it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I picked it up again. I didn't have time to fully reread it, but I um, flicked through, read some parts of it, and revisited some of my favorite parts of it and remembered what a great story it was and how influential it's been as well. We, we're doing with this V for Vendetta. And um, so last week, Sue wanted to watch something, and we ended up chucking on that they're pushing the original Logan's run on Netflix. And so a lot of people out there probably thought, oh, you know, I know exactly the mood of um, movies I was in. So that finished and we just let it roll into V for Vendetta. And as I watched it, what I really enjoyed about it is that I really enjoy the comic and I like the movie. I think they did a really cool job of V for Vendetta, the film. I thought they got it out and it was punched. It was perfect timing. As I mean, in the length of the film for the story, they changed a lot of the setting which they had to, both Alan Moore and David Lloyd have apologised because it originally was set after a limited nuclear exchange on the idea that, you know, the world somehow can still operate. So once you've got the genesis of the actual villain and the stories completely diverged, the stories are very different. So if you've only seen the movie, the comic is still very much worth getting because they diverge a lot. Yeah, well, that was the thing, I, you know, that I, because I probably, well, when was the last time I read this? Probably four or five years ago. So I, you know, and I would have seen the movie again since then. And it, what it reminded me of was all the different nexus of villains, because it's not just one villain. It's, 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 it's all the branches of the villainy and, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff that you get more without, you know, giving anything away if you haven't seen, if you haven't read it, but, you know, sort of get more into it and, it slowly develops the story really, really well in the comic. Whereas in the movie, you don't, you lose some of the sense of that. And also Alan Moore, you know, the reason he's brilliant is because he's brilliant. His written word that the lines he gives characters to say are fantastic. And they're so well researched. So he's not just, just banging out anything that pops into his head. He's really crafted it. And, and there's one part in this around page 122. You've got to remember this book came out in the eighties, right? And page 122, there's the Vicious Cabaret. And it's a, Alan Moore wrote it and at the time gave it to a rock producer called David Jay and said, can you put music to this? Because he needed to have it on the actual comic, having actual music that could be played. But this is back in the 80s when it came out, when, you know, whatever form the internet existed in, we certainly weren't listening to this while we read the comic so while i was reading it um, the other day I, I played it in the background and then there's another someone else has done a mixed version of it so we'll attach that audio um to this clip or to, to the podcast we'll put it in there i'll send you the link for that Ricardo. Cool. but the fact that's the level of writing alan moore has gone to because the simple truth is i can't read music and i wouldn't have been able to play any of that in my head so how much of his audience did he you know did he extend this to to get that there and in all honesty, 
as much as it's fantastic and it is a genuine piece of music, he could have given a, a comic version of this to make out that, yes, it's a, it's a cabaret song, right? It didn't actually have to look like it. It could have been clearly cartoonish enough that it wasn't, but it was given off the idea. But well before he probably even thought they would be able to enjoy it, he's gone to that effort um, to play this. It's fantastic. That's Alan Moore is just... He is a brilliant writer, and there's a lot, you know, we all we all know that. But if you've just seen his movies, you need to see his um, read his comics. Watchmen, obviously, a lot more people have read the graphic novel of that. But V for Vendetta is one that if you haven't read it, you need to get it. And if you've got it, read it again, man, because there's some stuff in here at the moment that is, you know, going on in society with government and pushback. And, you know, we're in this crazy COVID world now where we're getting... We're spared a lot from it, but you know, having people protesting against government mandates and whatever side of that argument you sit on, protests are happening. And you know, we had our farmers here for whatever. And again, doesn't matter which side of the argument you have, you're on. People are taken to the streets to protest government and democratic Western societies. So it's really good to read something like this and and take a side. Think about it. You know, where, do, where do you drop down on these on these discussions? And at what point are you incensed that people are protesting and damaging? And at what point will you join those things yourself? I think it's a, a really important reflection. And I think Viva Vendetta is a great way to have that chat with yourself. Alan Moore is you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he, um, Promethea, which is one of, one of my favourite stories of all time. So you, 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 he's, he's been paired up with fabulous artists and it's, it's the words he actually writes that just really make you sit up and notice. He, he gives characters so much more villainy by making them say some of the creepiest things without going too far. He, you know, he's, he's, a, he's incredible. Everyone should have, have, should have a significant number of animal books in their collection. He is, he's a classic. I actually read this version. I got the absolute out from my personal library, so I've got this big. And it's just got some pages where you just turn and it's like, man, I'm, I'm so happy I've got it in this format. It really punches out. And some of the art was pretty stark. David Lloyds wasn't the, um, you know, he wasn't the master he was. It took him about eight years to write it. Yeah. And, and it's, well, I was going to say, I'm just trying to check to see when my edition was actually printed because I wonder, I, I don't, I, it, it feels like it could have, it could have been recolored at some point. Um, they, they definitely recolored it for the absolute. They did do that. They gave it a little bit of a touch-up because they have to when they bring it out. Um, but even this edition has some... Um, it's a nice short introduction by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. So really, yeah, Alan, Alan Moore's part was... Back in 1981, the term nuclear had not passed as a common currency, and although my guess about climactic upheaval came pretty close to the eventual truth of the situation, the fact remains that the story to hand suggests that nuclear war, even a limited one, might be survivable. To the best of my current knowledge, this is not the case. Mm. So it's um, he's set it in this place um, and he admits, yeah, he admits he's got it wrong. But then they talk about the camps. They talk about, you know, it's a really good uh, expose into the mindset of where these people were thinking at the time. And it was 1988 when they finished this. Um, Margaret Thatcher's Britain was not a place for people that are persecuted in this comic. So there is a good snapshot which works with everything that we're looking at going on around the world. And that's the protest part of what's happening throughout this entire story. V is a terrorist, right? It's by every, by every stretch of the imagination. But that government is wrong. So it needed a reset. And um, yeah, I, I really like that.
Well, I mean, without getting too deep into it, I do. There is a firm line where uh, in our in our recent history, where people in the news stop referring to people like, for example, I know this is an extreme case, but V, for example, I stopped referring to them as freedom fighters and started referring to them as terrorists. Yeah, yeah, you know. One of the, I think, one of the most disgusting words in the in the news lexicon language that's been passed on to us is collateral damage. <laughs> you know? And when we start to accept words like that, how far, you know, how how palatable does it make violence to us? Is, is a is a big part of that. You know, that's a wedding party from an errant bomb is collateral damage. It was the people on their way to celebrate. Now there's you know, a smear on the Afghan landscape. But this comic points that out. When do we protest? In New Zealand, it was uh, farmers upset over what their land they got to, it's getting petitioned off and they've got to fence it and pay for the fencing and then pay the rates on the land that they lose. Isn't that what the, the main protest was about? Well, then there was the hijack that it was over bloody tractors or something, or, you know, well, cars, you, yeah, they're getting higher tax on utes because they of their emissions. That wasn't the protest was organized months before that came out. That diverted public attention again. That masterful use of the media by somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Most to people, be fair, the know, people in the, uh, without getting too political, people who were on it, I think, lost their message because, yeah. you know, how many of them were like, there was the one, the, probably the sign I saw the most reshared was on the back of a ute saying, it's New Zealand, not Aotearoa, stop shoving Maori language down my throat. And I was like, well, that's oh, not what the protest great. was about. You know, that's one, sort yeah. of red, that's one redneck idea of about what, what he wanted to protest about, but it's not what the protest was about. But now, and then, and then, exactly. That's what you saw. That's what you relayed. We've even it's even hijacked our own conversation mm. about how the how the conversation got hijacked. It's uh, it's there's truths in this comic, and it's as I said, it's set in a pre-internet world where. But these things still happen in other countries where they've got the internet. This is all all still going on. There's that plane that was hijacked on the way to Ukraine by the state and landed somewhere else so they could whisk someone off. You know what's going on in Belarus. These, these things are happening in the world. The, the things that V is arguing about, they may not be happening in New Zealand. And obviously, at this level, they're not in, in, in Britain, but they are definitely happening. The state-sponsored, where the state needs to be afraid of its people. The people should not be afraid of the state. And um, yeah, I think we, maybe just as pure privilege, we should read it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, where, where does it sit for you in the, in the pantheon of graphic novels? I mean, is this a top tenner? Um, you know, I've, I've got to consider, I've, I've read it probably eight or nine times. So it's one I go back to. It's one when we talked about this show. It was like, oh, yeah, got, you know, it's one, when we started talking about doing what do you mean you haven't read it, part of it was like, oh, awesome, I'm going to have to go and reread some stuff because I can't really talk about it from the fact that I read it five or six years ago. And as I said, there's that list of books that I do keep coming back to. You know, it's great to get the stuff like mum, that fresh stuff, and it's like, once that's collected, I'll probably read that again in five or six years because you can do that with comics, you know. Uh, on that, Slaughterhouse Five is back in stock. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't got a copy yet, man, good God, get it. We'll stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem to understand, um, you know, comics and what we're trying to help you out with here. But I think V for Vendetta is it's an important, important cerebral read, and and it where where does it sit? It, it remains an important book. And it, and it hasn't lost its um, timiness. I was able to read it this time with the actual music playing from YouTube in the background as I you know, sang along. Well, I didn't sing along, it was this guy's playing the piano. Um, so 
which is which is crazy. A comic written 30 years ago had something in it that you can use today to enjoy it more that wasn't around then. And 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 as I was reading it, I compared it to the movie. And it's and it's got so much more. There's parts of the film that you lose what the, the actor's saying because it's so clever and you almost want to rewind. And when it's in the book, you get to reread it. Um, some of Hugo Weaving's dialogue that he got to say as V is, is brilliant. And, you know, and to act an entire film with a mask on, what's get the credit, you know, it's from, from Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, to Red Skull and Captain America to this. He does, he does he's, he's a great actor, given that. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a top 10. I think this is in my top 10. Just for the, I, I, the fact that it is a book that I regularly go back to and reread, obviously it is. And the main reason is the language in it. Superb. There it is. Yeah. V for Vendetta. What do you mean you haven't read that? Read it. Go get it. Stu's actually. Yeah. Uh, you got some copies in store that come with a free uh, V mask as well, don't you? They come with a mask, yeah. And I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go and open one of those up and just go and hang a mask on a wall. <laughs> just have it sitting there on the scene. Because even though it's a cheap little plastic $2 mask that comes in the box with it, it there's something that's almost pop art about it as well. It's almost like a soup can, you know, it's, it's, especially for this era. And I, I guess especially for a shop like ours, you know, we are, we are, comic readers are a bit subversive. We are left wing, you know, there's definitely that side to it. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, mum, the jerk characters and that. They don't read comics, don't worry about it. They're not our tribe. So we, we, we're good there, man. Yeah. Yeah, we are indeed, man. We are indeed. Yeah. Good stuff, Stu. All right. All right Another one, the 25. It's a quarter century. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm happy yeah. with that. Thanks for all listening, folks. Sticking around. Yeah. Indeed. And we will see you in a week or so with another one of these. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 